2: Good afternoon, and welcome back to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. We're finally at game week of the Foster Farms Bowl. Uh, it is a week from today. On December 28th, the game kicks off on Fox at, at 8.30 Eastern. Uh, Indiana is taking on the 19th-ranked Utah Utes uh, in the Foster Farms Bowl. So we're here to talk about uh, the bowl game, what we know about Utah, uh, and uh some other things uh, we'll be joined by TJ Inman and Alex Compton to go over all uh all the the uh, ball game needs and uh, right now TJ Inman is joining us TJ how are you
3: I'm doing great Sammy I am uh, definitely looking forward to uh seeing IU back on the field a lot has changed since the last time we saw the Hoosiers Uh, So it'll be very interesting to see how that unfolds, and uh, I'm looking
2: forward to talking about it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of those things is is an unknown is how is this offense going to look without Kevin Wilson at the helm. Uh, Personally, I don't think it'll change that much. Uh, You know, I watched the, the Boca Raton Bowl last night. They have an interim coach. Uh, with the new staff coming over, and you saw them open up the playbook a lot. They did a fake kneel. Uh, they did a, a – a. it was called a lateral, but it was like a swing pass to an offensive lineman. So maybe we'll see some of those things uh, in, in the bowl game as, you know, some guys might be trying to bolster their resume uh, in positions that they're not, not normally in and, and things like that. So let's get down to it. Uh, right now uh, – Alex Compton is going to join us as well, and and we'll go around everybody, and we'll start with uh, keys to the game here shortly. Um,
1: Alex, how are you? Good, Sammy. How are you? Happy holidays. Uh, I got to tell you, it's nice to have college football back, although I'm getting a little antsy to uh, see the Hoosiers play again on the 28th. So getting about that time. Yeah.
2: Yep, and being in the Midwest, the temperature has uh, really been low, so it's good to have something on TV to watch while you're inside. Uh, So let's start with what we know about Utah. Um, TJ, you've watched a lot of the Utes uh, this past season. I've watched six or seven of their games uh, in the past couple weeks, Um, and Alex will get your input on Utah as well. But TJ, what stands out to you uh, about Utah the most?
3: Yeah, I, for the benefit of our listeners here that have not seen Utah at all, don't know anything about them, we'll just go base level, uh, kind of overview of their season. They started 4-0 with wins over uh, including BYU and USC and then a couple of a couple of cupcakes. Uh, they had a disappointing loss to California in Berkeley. That was surprising uh, not only that they, they lost to Cal, But that they only put up 23 points in that game, and it was kind of the first uh, alarm bell that, you know, maybe this was not one of the nation's elite teams. They'd climbed up into the top 10, Uh, but then they won. They won three straight after that, so they were seven and one. Uh, Really, uh, they beat USC before the Trojans got BYU in a game that they really had no business winning. Uh, So they were seven and one, but and they were ranked in the top 10. uh, But there were question marks.
2: TJ, correct me if I'm wrong. That Cal game came down to a goal line stand um, with yeah. Utah coming going in for the the game winning score uh, a, at the end of the game. So really, they could have been eight and zero going into that game yeah. if it you know if they could punch that in against the defense who who really wasn't that great this year.
3: No, they were Cal. Cal was a very. It reminded us of. Uh, IU defenses in the past. Not this year's IU defense, but of, of the past uh, season before that. They were very poor with the strong offense, but uh, they were 7-1, and a top-10 matchup at home against Washington. A uh, ton of attention nationally on that game, and they played pretty well, but fell 31-24. Uh, so they were 7-2. and They hammered Arizona State, which was something that happened quite a bit for teams this year, so they're very disappointing. Uh, then they went 8-2, and two. so they're 8-2, and two. still hopes of a Pac-12 South title on the line, going into their final two games. And then they got stunned at home by Oregon, uh, who not the Oregon of old, They were not a good team this year. So they, they lost 30-28 to 28 to them, uh, late touchdown by the Ducks, which they played better once they got to their freshman, Justin Herbert, their quarterback in there. But still, that was a surprising loss and a very disappointing one. And then they went on the road. Played decently against Colorado. It was a pretty sloppy game, uh, but they lost their season finale at Colorado, 27 to 22. So they finished eight and four, put them third in the Pac-12 South, uh, behind uh, a couple of squads that are, you know, in better bowls than they are. So that's how they fall down to the Foster Farms Bowl. Uh, from a personnel standpoint, uh, what definitely jumps out right away is that that defensive line. You know, we'll go over kind of the key to the game, but and, and I guess multiple keys to the game. But the main matchup really is going to be Indiana's offensive lining and Utah's uh, defensive front. Uh, They're one of the best teams in the country, getting pressure on the quarterback, eighth in the country in sacks, only seven behind national leaders, Florida State. So they have 40 sacks on the year. Uh, and Hunter Demick has 14 of them, but he's not the only talented defensive line guy that they have. Uh, He's definitely a standout. Uh, Another thing that really jumps out at you right away, a pretty active secondary. They're they're really strong at taking the ball away uh, through the pass, very good at uh, turning mistakes by the quarterback into interceptions. Uh, And a a part of that is going to come from your pass rush, of course. You know, when you can apply pressure to the quarterback, uh, they're prone to make some mistakes and make some poor throws in Utah's secondary has done a good job of capitalizing on that. Uh, another thing that jumps off the page, and I'm sure you'll be talking about this, their special teams is incredibly good. Uh, they are one of yes. the best teams in the country at field position, uh, pinning their opponents back and poor field position, second in the country in terms of that, opponents starting inside of their own 25-yard line on average. Uh, and they have the Ray Guy Award winner for the third straight season, And uh, and Mitch Wischnowski, this guy, is a sophomore. They had another player that won it as a junior and senior uh, before him. So uh, just a very strong culture of special teams. They're at Utah. They care about it. They excel at it. Uh, Offensively, they're going to lean on their run. Their their Quarterback Troy Williams is inefficient. We'll talk more about him. Only completing 53% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, 7 picks. An okay runner, but not really a focus of his game. Um, he's going to attempt to be a pocket passer. That if you flush him out, he can throw on the run. Uh, it kind of reminds me Joe of Tommy Armstrong,
2: Armstrong a little bit.
3: That's fair. Yeah, I think Tommy Armstrong is a good comparison. Uh, Armstrong is a more accurate passer than Troy Williams is, but they both are prone to make some mistakes uh, that really boggle your head. I mean, they they can get on a get on a roll and have some really nice games, but also have some. Uh, pretty disastrous games, and he'll probably make at least one or two throws that Indiana's secondary will have a chance to make plays on. It's going to be a matter of whether or not they can do that, Uh, but it's not likely that Troy Williams is going to play a totally clean game. Running back Joe Williams, no relation, uh, is a very interesting player. Uh, He's had a, a run of explosive games. He's also had a couple of games before he left the team, which he left early on in the year. Um, And then he came back when they had some running back injuries and and really just ignited, uh, had a couple of games. Yeah, he he, he left after the – yeah, he
2: retired uh, after the BYU game, which I think was – they said September 13th. He came back October 11th. Uh, To begin the year, he was benched early. And we'll get into Joe Williams a little bit more later on. But and I think Alex uh, will talk about him as well. Uh, but he he was benched early on against Southern Utah and against BYU for fumbling. So, you know, a lot of the the, the thing that stood out to me about Utah was that it's they're very similar uh, to Indiana in terms of That's the fair. issues that yep. they the issues that they have. They're 115th in red zone efficiency. Um, And a lot of that is due to they have an outstanding field goal kicker in Andy Phillips. Um, They're ranked, I think, uh, 35th uh, in red zone field goals and then 116th in touchdowns. So, you know, they could be even worse in the red zone if they had, uh, if if not for Andy Phillips uh, and that. And then, you know, Joe Williams, he had a fantastic game against UCLA. He, the last six yep. games he played, I think he ran for like a hundred or a thousand, 1, eleven hundred yards. Um, but Alex, let's let's get your take on on Utah. What
1: uh, stood out uh, for you? Yeah, I mean, um, for me, obviously, we talk about that defensive line, um, tremendously physical. I think that's kind of what they hang their hat on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're going to try to really um, dominate the line on both sides of the ball, but that, that's something we've seen before um, and we've seen all season. Uh, people are kind of skeptical about how Indiana matches up with Utah, um, but here is what I will say. Um, although Utah is ranked 8-4, and four, um, good competition, good conference, Indiana has not been outclassed in a single game all season. Um, you look at Michigan on the road, Ohio State on the road, um, Penn State, Nebraska. I mean, it could go on and on and on. And Indiana has shown um, for stretches of all of those games that they can compete and win those games. Um, we just have to put together a full four, qu- uh, full full four quarters, excuse me. So um, Utah, they're going to be real physical. I think another key. Um, you look at that comparison to Tommy Armstrong. I think. Indiana did a great job in that Nebraska game of keeping Armstrong in the pocket and mm-hmm. making him that 50% passer that he is. Um, Troy, William, Troy Williams, like we said, pretty inefficient. Um, just just over 50% of his passes. I mean, if we can keep him in the pocket, he has said late in the season that he wants to make more of an effort to run um, for this year and, and into next year. So I would look for them to get him going on the ground. So, keeping him in the pocket uh, much like the focus of some of the other big 10 quarterbacks that Indiana played, I think will be huge um, for the defense and the, and for the game overall.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, Troy Williams and he, you know, a lot of uh, Hoosier fans drew comparisons to the basketball player who played for IU Troy Williams, where he could wow people and also make you smash your head into the wall uh, with his frustrating play. And, you know, they're different sports, but they play similar uh, types of games in terms of Troy Williams can make the spectacular play. He'll, he'll throw it deep. He's got, he's got a good set of receivers, and this is something that, you know, I think most people have overlooked. But he has some solid receivers uh, out there as well who can make some plays. Now, that their statistics aren't great. I think their leading receiver is 600 and, and some odd yards. But he could throw it up to there, uh, and IU secondary is going to have to make some plays. But he he makes some bonehead plays as well. He'll he'll throw the ball. Uh, As TJ said, he'll make some some throws where you just go, that's got to be a pick uh, or something like that. So, um, you know, to me, what stood out the most, and TJ, you mentioned it earlier, is special teams. They're tremendous on special teams. Uh, Andy Phillips, you know he's been an All-American, All Pac-12 honoree. He's been a he's a fourth-time Lou Groza Award semifinalist. He's a, a former uh, skier on the U.S. Ski Team. He's super athletic. He, he's really fun to watch as as a kicker. He's not as, as fun as Joey Julius or anything like that, but he's a guy who's. In clutch his entire career at Utah, and if it comes down to a battle of the special teams, uh, you know you got to give Utah the edge because of Phillips and because because of uh in uh, the punting game. Their return game is also very good. They have um, uh, they have uh, it's Booby uh, something. It's a great name. Um, I think it's Booby Harris, uh, something like that. And he's tremendous in the punt return game. He can make guys miss um, and things like that. And then they have two receivers who are great on kickoffs. Both have had uh, 90-plus-yard kickoff returns. One went for a touchdown. The other was a 93-yard touchdown. Uh, So if you're going to get into a battle of field position like IU did against Michigan – uh, it, it might be a, a tough uh, tough road for Indiana to come out on top it's to me it's it's might be the difference of the of the game uh the the their best returner is Corey uh, Butler Bird you know mm-hmm. he's averaging 27 uh, yards of return uh, Kyle Fulks, Fulks is the other receiver um now his stats are padded because of a 93 yard return but he's averaging 35 yards of return and the punt returner is uh, Booby Hops, and he's, you know, any time you can get positive yards on a punt return, it's a plus. He's averaging 7.9 yards on 30 returns with one for a touchdown. So if it comes down to that, hopefully uh, Tom Allen, who has emphasized special teams, you know, since he's taken over, hopefully he could get, you know, game plan it and break down the fundamentals on it to where it's, not like Michigan where it was, oh, no, Joseph Gideon's coming on. They're either going to block it or he's going to shank it or just kick a line drive um, to Jabril Peppers. Now, Booby Hobbs is going to be the guy that you cannot kick a line drive to. He's fast, he's shifty, uh, and if you give him any space at all, he's going to get you know, 5, 10, 15 yards, if not more, on his return. So, to me, it, it's special teams is the biggest mismatch um, for IU and and in terms of Utah's defensive line, I, I I'm calling them the red, the red Squigglies because that's how they turn up on my uh, Microsoft Word because they're it's a spelling they're a spelling nightmare. Um, yeah. So, but you know, Indiana's offensive line was supposed to be their strength. They should be back healthy. They've had you know about a month to to recover, work on things that they needed to work on. Uh, you know, you have Koi Krong now who's, you know, back healthy. Uh, he was sick for Purdue. He's back healthy. Brandon Knight could be back. And then Dan Feeney, you know, is getting back into, you know, shape after that concussion. So, you you know, you think that with that coaching staff that IU would figure it all out. Um, let's get into uh, keys to the game. Alex, we'll start to, to at you. What's your first key to an IU victory?
1: I think it has to be getting off off to a good start right out of the gate. Um, I think for IU to feel comfortable and not have those nerves throughout all four quarters, I think it'd be huge to get out to a 10-3, 7 nothing lead, something like that um, in the first quarter to kind of let everybody settle in. I think another huge key is going to be getting Rich going early as well. Um, and I think those things go hand in hand. I think getting Rich um, some early throws, maybe to backs out of the backfield, some some quick hitters on the outside, I think Rich is going to have to have his best game of the season if I'm going to feel comfortable saying Indiana will win. And I think um, for him to have his best game of the season, we need to start him off with some of those easy throws, kind of establish that he's comfortable in the bowl game, he feels good, and then we can go back to the run game. I think committing too early to the run in this game against that defensive line could be um, could be kind of disastrous. So I think for me, the two the two biggest things, obviously, besides winning, kind of the individual matchups on every play, are going to be getting out of starting strong right out of the gate. Um, that's been a problem at points during the season, um, and I think coming from behind in this game may may just leave some of the players uneasy. So I think coming out of the gate strong, and then I think getting Rich settled in and confident in the first quarter is going to be absolutely huge. TJ, how about you? What's your first um, first key
2: for victory?
3: Well, I think it, it kind of does go uh, right in conjunction with what Alex said, is kind of starting well. Um, and, and it's kind of the motivation factor of things. And, and that, that I, I have no doubt the players are going to play hard come game day. Uh, the question and motivation is going to be, you know, who prepares better? Who's more focused going into the game? Indiana has not won a bowl game since 1991. Meanwhile, Utah, under Kyle Whittingham, is 9-1 in bowl games, the only loss coming in the Vegas Bowl uh, in, back in 2010. So do they have the bowl preparation thing down to a science? They understand it. Uh, they clearly show up for it, and they've had a ton of success in it. Whereas Indiana, you're dealing with basically the exact opposite of stability uh, in your bowl preparation. You've got a, a first first-time FBS head coach, uh, so you're going through that change. You're going through, you know, coaching staff wondering whether or not you know they're going to come back. So maybe you've got some. Uh, going to say that you know, guys aren't focused on it, but certainly at least part of their mind is, is kind of wondering like what the future holds after the bowl game. Tom Allen has just said that things are going to be evaluated after the bowl game, so uh, you've got that factor as well, and then you've got the factor of the players just not having gone through as much uh, bowl preparation as the veteran Utah players have. So uh, how you initially come into this game with the preparation through these 15 practices uh, and through, you know, the the weight work and the the conditioning work and the film work, uh, how you come into this game I think is going to have a lot to do with, yeah, how you start uh, and then, like Alex said, how you start. If you fall behind against Utah and are forced to be one-dimensional against them and let that pass rush tee off on this Indiana offensive line, well, I do think they'll play better than they have because it'll be, you know, you'll have a healthy, hopefully a healthy Brandon Knight at uh, right tackle to go with Koi Cronk back at left tackle, and then Dan Feeney uh, 100% at, at right guard. So your, your offensive line will be in place as you had envisioned it, uh, and, and you'll have had some time to get those guys ready for this challenge. You know, if that Utah defensive line is just allowed to tee off uh, Richard Lego is not the most mobile guy back there, and and we know that if if under pressure he will try to force it in there, and this Utah secondary is very good at making you pay when you do that. It, it could be a long day, so I think it's going to be very important to start well, and for me that all comes back to how you prepare and how focused you are in the midst of this transition for the Indiana program.
2: Yeah, and and I'll go along along the lines with you guys for my first key, it's who knocks off the rust first. Um, we saw last year in the bowl game, IU came out rusty. Uh, Duke came yeah. out, I, I believe, to a 10 nothing lead, but you saw turnovers in the red zone. You know, Sudfeld wasn't sharp, uh, things like that. It's So, to me, it's knocking off the rust. Who knocks it off first? Uh, who can get out to that lead? And, and like you said, TJ and Alex, uh, it, it's going to be tough if you if you got to play uh, – Play behind uh, with these guys because it's they' if you become one dimensional and we we've seen the issues that LeGO has had throwing the ball over um, thirty times and and our our newest uh, writer david sugarman will will get into that uh, during our numbers that matters piece later this week, but i I think knocking off the rust early, coming out with a, a sense of purpose. Um, which they should. Tom Allen should have this team uh, motivated. He, he's a great motivator. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Fred Glass went went ahead and and made him the permanent head coach instead of just an interim head coach. Uh, so, you know, knocking off the rust, seeing which quarterback get into a rhythm first, uh, to me is is the first key to the game. Alex, we'll go back to you. What is your second key to the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about it already a little bit, but it's got to be the field position. Um, We've seen Indiana in some of these games just have just three and outs right off the bat. Um, Gideon trots out. We don't get a great punt off. And then all of a sudden the field position's flipped. Our defense has been – the turnaround has been incredible, but the, the defense has been absolutely one of the best defenses in the conference if you have to play the whole field against them. Um the the points per game allowed is is absolutely deceiving. I can think of at least ten or so drives, at least in the just second half of the season where the defense was put um on Indiana's side of the fifty, um drives start in the red zone for the opposing offenses, things like that. Um that, that can't happen in this game at all if Indiana wants to win. So I think uh moving the chains, um, three and outs are gonna be absolutely deadly in this game um, because Utah will be able to flip flip the field on Indiana so quickly. I think that the offense needs to really just get some first downs, piece them together, um, and try to win the field position battle. I mean, um, if there's a, a concerted effort to kind of flip the field position and, and pin Utah deep, um, the defense has played well all season on a full field, and I would expect that um, theme to remain constant in this game as well.
3: TJ, what's your second key? Well, I think Alex is absolutely correct. And I just to expand on that, uh, you know, you look at these teams, and one of the major tools I like to use to evaluate uh, any of IU's opponents, to, to evaluate IU, to evaluate any game that I'm watching, um, is S&P Plus. And, and Utah ranks 40th there, Indiana 48th. Very close in, the, in terms of that. Uh, offensively, surprisingly, Utah at 53rd, Indiana uh, 66, definitely a disappointment there. Utah, who I think everybody is crediting with having this tremendous defense, which you know I, I think that they, they have a very strong defensive line. I think they have a strong secondary, or at least a good opportunistic secondary. I think their linebackers are definitely the weak spot for them. Uh, but they're 38th, and Indiana's 30th. So Indiana, eight spots ahead of them there. The major difference comes Indiana 98th in special teams, Utah 12th. And I, I think there's an argument to be made that Utah could be considered even a little bit better than 12th. Uh, their coverage unit, particularly on kickoff, is not incredible. I think that's what has hurt them a little bit there. But just in terms of uh, punting for field position, uh, they're as just about as good as it gets in terms of that. So I, I do think that that, that field position – uh, battle is going to be one that, that definitely plays a large role in deciding this game. Unfortunately for Indiana, if that if it does become a field position game, uh, like you mentioned earlier, it, it's not one that you would bet on Indiana being able to come out on top of. Uh, now, I do think that Indiana has the ability, and this is uh, kind of my, my second key to the game, uh, I think Indiana has an ability to win through the air. Uh, I I don't think that Utah's pass defense, if you can control their pass rush, and I don't mean stop it because they're they're going to get to the quarterback some, but if you can limit it, I do think that Richard Legault can have a very nice day because I think Indiana's receivers are capable of beating Utah's secondary. Uh, I've not been overly impressed with Utah's uh, coverage, in the secondary against some of the better pass, de- or pass offenses they've played. Uh, and I think that uh, Westbrook and uh, Ricky Jones and Mitchell Page can have nice days against this Utah pass defense or have a nice day against Utah pass defense if the offensive line can hold up against the pass rush. And then I think if you can get that passing game going, then I think we've seen Indiana, when the passing game's in a good rhythm, and the box can't be loaded against the run, they have to back off and play against the pass. Then the run offense can get going a little bit. It has not been the overwhelming run offense that we've gotten accustomed to, to where, you know, they can run the ball against anybody. That has not been the case this year, uh, much to our disappointment. However, it has been successful when, number one, against terrible rush defenses, let's be honest. Uh, You know, they've, they've run the ball well against some really bad rush defenses, but... Even against some good rush defenses, they've been able to find some success when the passing game has been has been going. So I, I and I we've heard positive things from the players about uh, Richard Legault progressing and feeling more confident in what he is doing with the ball, and I, I think that confidence for him is a big thing and I'm I'm really hoping that he can have himself a nice bowl game to propel himself into the offseason and be the unquestioned leader of this offense in 2017. Um, He's got the tools to do it, and I'm hoping to see him put it together uh, on the 28th, and and I think Indiana can have some success with their receivers beating Utah's corners.
2: Right, and um, I'm going to take a different turn here on my second key I mentioned it before, is both teams struggle in the red zone. Uh, So my second key to the game is uh, success in the red zone, which team, uh, you know, you could call it blinks first or which team, you know, settles for a field goal first when when they should have scored a touchdown. Uh, And, you know, to me, if Indiana could score touchdowns and not have to rely on on Griffin Oaks, hopefully Indiana has figured that out. But, again, this game is going to be on grass. Um, It's a new stadium. It looks like one of the ends in the end zone is open. The wind could be tricky, Um, even though the the forecast is supposed to be uh, pretty spectacular in in terms of it's going to be sunny, around 60 degrees, and uh, things like that. So to me, it's who blinks first in the red zone, who makes that that fatal error, uh, throwing a pick, uh, dropping a ball, Running three times and getting stuffed, uh, things like that. So, uh, to me, it's it's red zone points in the red zone. And if Indiana could score more, this sounds stupid, um, but if they could score <laughs> touchdowns instead of field goals, and, and you know, the the overall key of the game of every game is score more points than the other team. But if they could, you know, come away with more points in the red zone than Utah, Indiana does have that big playability where they could score from anywhere on the field in the passing game, but where they struggled is in the red zone. So um, that's a place where, where Utah could pick up, even if they pick up three, Griffin Oaks is, hopefully has overcome his uh, mental block or, or struggles, whereas Andy Phillips, they, they call him Mr. Automatic, Um and they could get three points where IU could be down inside five and, and not get any. So red zone efficiency uh, is my second key. Alex, let's go back to you for for a third and, and final key to,
1: to victory. Yeah, for me it's going to be it's real cliche, um, but I think it, it really does matter when you're talking about postseason games, especially one uh, for an Indiana team, um, like TJ said, that hasn't won since 1991. And that's going to be to just balance, kind of balance your emotions, stay on an even keel. Um, it's, it's a really unique situation, as everybody um, probably knows, with the, the coaching change um, and the back-to-back bowl games. Heartbreaker last year, and now many of those players that have had the heartbreak that set out when they recruited to, to win Indiana that bowl game are now back for this game. Um, so for me you you can imagine emotions are going to be high and oftentimes Mm -hmm. that affects your play I mean you want to be ready to go you want to be fired up but sometimes if you're too fired up you lose concentration you miss your block you blow an assignment you cut your yard or your route one yard short Um, so for me it's you just got to kind of stay on an even keel um, remember that this is a big game, but it's no different than any of the other ones. Um, it, it's just it's, – it's a big game, obviously, and the players know that. Um, and I would just um, really hope that the emotions and kind of the excitement of the players could kind of stay bottled up for the game, and then hopefully um, we'll see it in the post-game celebration on the field. But it is a huge game, obviously. Everybody, fans, coaches, players are excited, anxious, um, and you do have to kind of keep that in check, otherwise it will affect um, the on-field play of everybody.
2: Yeah, and it should help that, you know, they've played at Ohio Stadium, they've played at Michigan Stadium, and, and playing in the Big Ten East, every game is a big game, whether it's it's Rutgers or Maryland, because you have to win those games because you're playing against Penn State, uh, Ohio State, Michigan uh, the rest of the time, and you need to get wins um, – where you could get them. So you're right, Alex, they should not, this stage, it's it's the Foster Farms, this stage should not blow them away in terms of of being too big for them. Uh, TJ, what's your third and final key to the game? Uh,
3: I I think that the two issues that have really impacted both of these teams negatively, and they are very similar teams on paper, uh, particularly their deficiencies, Turnovers and then the red zone that you talked about. So I'm going to go with turnovers. Uh, both teams have really been careless with the ball, uh, and it's it cost them games. Uh, for Indiana, the the main couple main ones that stand out. Everybody knows we don't need to rehash them, but it, it turnovers have definitely prevented Indiana from being seven five or eight and four, along with the red zone failures. Um, I I I think that. I, I kind of I think the fumble issues I don't think we'll see that, but I think there is the potential that uh, Richard Lego has another you know two three or four interception type game uh, because of the pass rush and the active secondary. Now the ingredients are there for that to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I I didn't expect it the other times either. So uh, his interceptions come in clusters, and it's very possible that another cluster pops up. Uh, on the 28th, and if that happens, then I, I do not feel good about any Indiana's chances to win. But Utah has done their share of turning it over as well, and they've actually been pretty fortunate. Um, there's a turnover luck stat that, you know, over the over the years it, it tends to even itself out for teams, but over a one-season sample it, it's possible that a team could have some turnover luck. Uh, Utah was expected to be minus 5.84 points Per game on turnovers, uh, which you know that's that's pretty big. They ended the season at uh, I'm sorry they essentially minus 5.84 turnovers per game. They ended the year point uh, 5.35 points per game advantage. Uh, So they were getting an average of basically five points per game uh, benefit of the doubt on turnover luck. So that's you know that's bounced balls that's fumbles recovered that are uh, you know fifty-fifty recoveries that end up going to Utah. That's passes that were thrown by Troy Williams that should have been picked off but were dropped. Things like that. They've in short, they've had remarkable turnover luck uh, to help them get to eight and four. Indiana, on the other hand, uh, is minus two point seven seven. So you know some. A little bit unfair, you could say, or unfortunate turnover luck for the Hoosiers in terms of when they've fumbled it, they haven't recovered, or you know a, a poor pass by Lego uh, seems to always get picked off as opposed to just you know knocked down or dropped by the defense more often than not. So uh, they're they're actually very similar in terms of how careless they're with the ball. Both teams, I'm sure, have had it as a point of emphasis. Tom Allen mentioned it uh, in one of the first times he talked publicly as the head coach, was that we just have to take better care of the ball, and it's unacceptable. You know, and I, you know, Kevin Wilson knew that as well. So it's just a matter of uh, fixing that mistake, and I know it will be a point of emphasis moving to 2017. Is uh, taking better care of the ball, making better decisions as a passer. Uh, just having more of a commitment to not fumbling, so I, I'm I'm very anxious to see whether or not Indiana's offense, number one, the offense can can do a better job of taking care of it. Number two, if the defense can can get some of those takeaways, we I don't think they got as many as they like to. It's remarkable that the defense performed as well as it did, and really the one thing you kind of expected, especially after the first game. Was that they get a lot of takeaways as a, as a result of being aggressive, uh, and putting such an emphasis on it in practice and and publicly while talking, they really didn't get that many takeaways, but still had such a remarkable turnaround. So that's uh, for me, that's even more encouraging for the future. I only expect those those takeaways to increase next year, um, with another year under under this system and and the returning personnel. Uh, uh, while well, you you know you haven't had much of that takeaway so far this year so hopefully on the 28th they'll be able to force Troy Williams into some mistakes and and capitalize on them but I think turnovers are going to be a as always a big part of this one it's not very often you you lose the turnover battle uh, by multiple turnovers and be able to win and against a team with as much talent as Utah has that'll definitely be the case so uh, that's my third key to the game and I, I think we've uh, I think we've pretty much highlighted all the areas that you would expect to highlight. I think the one that uh, most fans that uh, even have watched Utah, some might not think of, is, is the special teams. But really, for Indiana, it's it's kind of business as usual uh, in terms of what we're hoping to see out of them. Yeah, it's a, it's another ranked opponent. It's, yeah, um,
2: you know, I, I think this would be. IU's sixth or seventh-ranked opponent this year. Um, So to me, you know, you guys, we've talked about all the keys for the most part, uh, and I'll I'll throw in one last thing. I think, you know, Utah has vulnerability passing, but IU needs to stay two-dimensional. They need to get this run game going, Uh, you know, whether it's using draws, whether it's using the bacon and legs package, um, and, you know, it, it will be Xander Diamant's final game. Um, he's playing in his home state. Did, did they let him uh, run the ball a little bit more often? Uh, did they use Camion at running back? Uh, he's, he was banged up for the Purdue game. He should be back. You know, it's to me, It's do you get Mike Majette back? Do you get Devontae Williams back? Because if not, this is this is a team that uh, the kind of team that Devine Redding does not uh really do that well uh, against so some struggle against Michigan some struggle against Ohio State and he played pretty well against Penn State uh so you know two out of three times against teams with good defensive lines uh and a good defensive scheme he struggles so but i, I you can't let uh lego you know sling the ball 45 50 times and just hope that your receivers can make plays. Uh, you know, his I, – I think I use 0-3 when he when he throws the ball over 40 times. Uh, they're better when yep. he throws the ball between 25, 30, you know, 35 times. Uh, and, you know, he's been working. He said in media availability the other day, he's gone through every single interception uh, he's worked with. Uh, he said Sean Watson has been a calming um, – influence on him uh, and we'll see how that coaching change uh, moving him up to quarterbacks coach uh, now that Kevin Wilson was gone uh, will affect Lego but Indiana has to stay balanced they have to get something out of this running game Uh, now I'm not saying that you know you start the game with three straight runs and hope for the best you know if you could get you know four or five yards on first down that opens the entire playbook and then we'll see where yeah. they go from there. But Indiana's up tempo. Uh, Utah should be used to it playing in the Pac 12. There are a lot of up tempo teams as well. But to me, Utah does struggle uh, against those up tempo teams. Their losses Cal is up tempo. Oregon's up tempo. Um, Colorado is up tempo. Uh, you know, Washington's uh, up tempo. So I, I guess, uh, you know, staying balanced and, and really getting that tempo offense uh, going will be the final key. Uh, Indiana's been very good in that tempo offense. We've seen them give teams trouble with it when they get going um, with a couple first downs. And then, you know, they get bogged down in the red zone and, and things fall apart. But when they have gotten the tempo going, they've been uh, they've been very good and, and it seems to me that Utah does struggle against tempo teams. So if Indiana is going to take advantage of a mismatch, it's there. It's in the tempo of of the of their offense and and uh, and that Utah defense. So let's get to its predictions time. Um, Alex, we'll
1: start with you. What's your prediction for next week? Yeah. Um. One quick little note. Um, back to the the vulnerability of the Utah secondary um, something coming out as of yesterday um, senior corner and defensive captain Dominique Whit Hatfield. Sorry. Um, is currently not allowed to practice or be around the team. Um, not a legal or academic issue. Um, Coach Whittingham said it is a team issue. Um, so he tweeted out yesterday actually that there is a 99% chance he doesn't play. And then he deleted that tweet. Um so that is something worth watching, um, especially for Indiana in the past game, is that senior yep. captain, um, Dominique Hatfield looks like he will be out for the bowl game. Um on to my note. prediction though. Yeah, go ahead.
3: No, good note. Yeah, thanks for that information. I had not seen that. Good note.
1: Yeah, oh well, um, yeah, definitely yeah,
3: worth
2: watching. A little bit more
3: uh yep. a little bit more on Hatfield, uh, Alex. He's got
2: thirty tackles this year and a pick. Uh so you know, he's as you said, pretty
1: important on that defense. Yeah. Um so definitely worth watching, um, especially as we're just, just one week away from the game, which is pretty crazy in itself. Um on to the prediction though. Um preseason I felt super highly of this team thought um eight wins, eight nine wins was definitely definitely possible. Um we've seen Indiana look the part of a ranked team, a Big Ten East contender pretty much in every game all season. Um, It's just the inconsistent play quarter to quarter that has kind of bugged me. Um, I think if Indiana can get out to a lead in the first quarter, I'm going to feel good about our chances. Um, That being said, right now I'm not feeling great about the chances. Um, It it kills me. It kills me. But I, I just see Utah winning this game. Um, all in all, another solid season for IU, but I, I do see Utah pulling this one out, twenty-seven to seventeen. All right,
3: TJ. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't, I don't think there are any reasons necessarily to anticipate. Like, I, I don't think it's incredibly logical for me to pick IU based on results. Uh, Utah. Is the better team? Advanced statistics uh, uh, are kind of projecting about a two-point win for Utah. Um, I think that the spread's higher than that. Um,
2: the spread is so at seven.
3: The yeah, last I saw, yeah, it opened at twelve, which was very high. But um yeah, yes. I, cause I, I don't think I don't think Utah is great. I think that they that they were a much better team early in the season than they were at the end of it. But uh, uh, they're a very good program. It's a well-respected program that has had a lot more success than Indiana has had. That is stating the obvious. Um, so I don't think there's any logical reason to expect this Indiana team to put together four really good quarters of football uh, amidst all this transition and change and, and get the win. That being said, i have look i'll I'll be transparent and i uh I watched every Utah game this year because I had a season long bet on them um so i don't I don't come into this blind with utah and i i'm I'm not overly impressed with their their skill position players. I don't think that they have a ton of things on the offense that are gonna worry I use defense. I would not have said that in the past, but I have an immense amount of respect for Indiana's defense this year and what they've been able to accomplish and that group of guys. And I, I, there's such a large part of me that wants this senior class uh, and all these IU players to get a bowl victory and for the team to feel that. I, I, have, I really, really like Tom Allen as the new leader of this program uh, and, and just as a, as a man that's going to lead, uh, lead this program forward that my heart is getting the better of me, and I'm going to pick Indiana to win this game 27-20. Uh, to 20. Uh, I do not feel, again, I don't feel like there's any logical reason for me to pick that. Um, but I am going to say I don't think Utah is nearly as like monstrous of an opponent as people are painting them out to be. Um, yes, I know they're ranked 10 this year. They beat USC. I I get that, and I respect that, and I think they're a very good program. But Utah is a very flawed team that I think playing in the Big Ten East would have just about the exact same record Indiana does. I think truly this is a toss-up game, and I think the Indiana players have just a little bit more motivation to play this one than Utah does. I think being in the Foster Farms Bowl for them is a little bit of a, you know, meh, ho-hum, disappointing even a little bit. Uh, based on what they had on the table just you know, with a couple weeks left in the season. This was kind of the worst-case scenario for them uh, in the middle of November. So I, I, I'm going to pick Indiana to win mainly out of hope and also out of just a feeling that – I'll say this. Utah's heavily favored, uh, and they shouldn't be. But these teams are a lot closer – Um, in not necessarily an overall talent level, but just in level of performance this year uh, than than most realize.
2: Yeah, and, you know, along those lines, I'll make my prediction. Um, I I wasn't overly impressed watching Utah. They should have lost to BYU. Uh, BYU had two starting safeties thrown out for garbage targeting calls. Uh, I think uh, Utah had six turnovers that game. They got very, very uh, lucky. Uh, They should have lost to USC. Um, That was before uh, USC was playing well. Yes, that was before USC was playing well. It took a a late fourth-quarter drive to win it. But credit to Kyle Whittingham, that was one of the best drives uh, and and ballsiest drives I've seen in a while. Uh, But Yeah. You know, people came into this, like you said, T.J., thinking Utah was that much better than Indiana, expecting a blowout um, with, with the spread opening at 12, now at 7. Uh, it, it, um, you know, I think there's a stigma that Indiana football is going to have to, still has to break, is that it's, hey, it's Indiana football. You know, they're going against Utah, who's had a you know, good program for the last decade and a half. So, you know, I think it's going to be a one-score game. It's going to come down to, to special teams probably uh, where Utah has a decisive advantage. Um, hopefully, you know, as an IU fan, hopefully, it, you know, there's things that you, you got to fix on special teams. It doesn't come down to a missed field goal or put it into the hands of the refs or, or a shanked punt that sets up a, a game-winning score. But I, I think just overall, I think Utah's is funda- more fundamentally sound in the kicking yeah. game, in special teams, um, and that defensive line is, is very, very good. And we'll see what IU's offensive line can do. I, I know IU will probably have a little bit more motivation. They want to win this one for Kevin Wilson, who started all of this, um, you know, who started this journey, who's was taking them to, to back-to-back bowl games, and, and a win would kind of solidify and, and give them closure to his tenure at Indiana. It'll give Tom Allen a great start uh, to, his, to his tenure here as well. But to me, it's going to come down to special teams. I'm going to take Utah 27, IU 24. Uh, Andy Phillips will probably hit a late field goal to go up. Yeah, um, and it's it's the little things uh, that IU uh, has to do. I I've been going back and forth. I you know I I it could go either way, but I think just having that much of a, a difference and, and, and margin on special teams gives Utah the upper hand here. Um, don't forget the travel. Utah's coming from a lot closer than Indiana. Um, Indiana has to go two um, three time zones. Uh, or two time zones, Utah has to go one. They'll probably have a lot more Utah fans than IU fans. Hopefully that's not the case, but it it seems to be. It's a tough travel uh, for Indiana fans, so I I understand. So, you know, it's basically a Utah home game playing on the West Coast. They have a better special teams unit, and and that's what it's going to come down to. Yes, I think that's
3: that's very fair. I think it's... uh... Um, not a toss-up I think Utah should be favored by a little so I understand that Uh, and I think they have a lot more experience in pulling games out like that so um, I'm just looking forward to seeing Indiana on the field with another quality opponent and uh, hoping that this time they can figure out a way to pull it out
2: Yeah, well thanks guys um, for
1: for joining me
3: Um, Alex, go
1: ahead yeah, I, I, just one last little comment. Um, just a little thank you to the athletics department. I know it's not much, but they did make um, student tickets um, just $10 again, which is, is really cool. Um, and while it's not a lot, it does, does help out a bit. So thank you for that. And then if Indiana was to break this drought, I am glad that we're playing a program and a team like Utah. Would have been nice yep. to go to Detroit and be favored against a Sunbelt team, but I think um, to really change that stigma that we talked about and break through, I think it's got to be a game like this. Um, so thanks for having yeah, me yeah. on. I look forward to uh, heading out to Cali, um, watching the Hoosiers, and hopefully we can, uh, in the offseason, talk about how, this, uh, how we can build off this moving forward. Happy holidays.
3: Same to you.
2: Yep, thanks for joining us, Alex. Uh, TJ, as always, thanks. Um, you know, a little uh, one last thought, and to go off of, te- uh, off of Alex's thought of, you know, he's glad we're playing Utah. I am too. You're, you're the primetime game on um, next Wednesday night. You know, most people should be home. It's on national TV. It's on Fox um, at 830. Mm-hmm. You're playing a program who's ranked. And, you know, with all the naysayers, he's right. If you go to the Motor City Bowl or whatever it's called now, the Quick Lane Bowl, and play, I think the opponent would have been BC. It's, you know, a team like IU, it would have been like playing Duke last year where it's like, great, you beat Duke, great, you beat BC, uh, big deal. You know, why don't you play somebody, you know, better in a bowl game? So the opportunity, I think, for Indiana to shake that stigma starts starts next, um, next Wednesday. Win this, and then you could go into next season with some momentum. hopefully people you know calm down about this the Kevin Wilson news um hopefully recruiting takes an uptick, and then you you open up next season with a lot of momentum, uh, a lot of uh hope and, and you're playing the the Buckeyes who would probably come in again as a top five top ten team, if not higher than that, and you should start to build that fan base and get excitement. Uh, with the students, with some fans. Now, I know it's on a Thursday night, but to me, that that's awesome. But, you know, it's, it's a... IU rarely gets a spotlight on the big stage, and, and this is going to be their time in the spotlight, and hopefully they could take advantage of it. Yep. Amen. All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll have more bowl coverage coming up. We had Know Your Opponent this morning. We'll have uh, TJ's preview, uh, coming out tomorrow. We'll post the podcast this afternoon on the site and we'll have numbers that matter, matchups to watch all your bowl coverage. I'll be out in, um, in Santa Clara. So, you know, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Keep coming back to Hoosier com, And I just want to thank all, all the fans, uh, this year, uh, our Amazon campaign went, went pretty well. A lot of you guys bought, bought gifts through us. So thank you for helping us out a little bit. And uh, hopefully you'll continue to do that as, you know, birthdays, different holidays, uh, and things step up. But thanks for joining us. Uh, just seven more days until, uh, until IU football is back on the field. But it, it's going to be an exciting game. Enjoy the rest of bowl season. Uh, and uh, we'll have the, the post-game show.
0: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler.